Let me just say this. The one question that I have for the kids is how many of you already know what you're getting because you found the presents somewhere in the closet, somewhere, you know? I found out this past week that uh, my kids would ransack our house when we weren't there, find the presents, open them up, play with them for a while, and put them back. And then, uh, really, my, my son, one of my sons, actually got out his rollerblades and rolled around the house with them for a while, tried them on for size, put them back, and uh, found out all this. And I'm just saying, you know, when they open up the presents, of course, the gifts, <clears throat> they act all surprised because that's the way you're supposed to act, right? But they already knew what was going on. And some of you here tonight may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I know how to act in church. You know, I've come. I've come with my relatives. My, my mom, dad invited me to come, and I want to do this for them. And let me just say that I commend you for that, you know, for you coming for your parents and being here with your family. It's a great thing. But, you know, you sort of know how to act in all this. But um, I want to talk to you about something tonight that won't make, would not make it an act anymore, would not be just something that you do. Because I sense within my heart here today, all day long, that there are people coming here that need a miracle in their life. And I know that a miracle, you think, is an answer to prayer, something you've been praying for. Maybe you prayed for it all, all this year, and it has not come to pass, but a real miracle. You know, they say the difference between a, a church and a country club is the miraculous. The difference between a good life and the real Christian life is that supernatural, miraculous things that happen to you through Christ. I remember back when I was uh, 18 years old, I was diagnosed as being a diabetic. And um, for four years, I treated it by diet. Now, back in this day, you didn't have medicines to say, hey, you know, you are, you're not, and you're going kind of back and forth. You, you, you were either a diabetic or you were not. You either took the shots or you didn't. And uh, I could treat it by diet if I was very, very careful because I was kind of, you know, there and kind of borderline. Well, at 22, I decided, uh, not decided, but I sort of eased off my diet, and I began to eat stuff I shouldn't eat. And um, hence, you know, you know what, what's happened here. But um, I began to eat things I shouldn't, have, <clears throat> shouldn't be eating. And I had to go for a, a checkup. And when I went there, my doctor said, age 22, he says, you have uh, full onset diabetes. And you're going to have to start taking uh, insulin shots. Okay, well, you know, hey, I deserved it. I, I've fallen off the wagon, you might say, with sweets, and I deserved it. I, I had it coming, so I just said, okay, Lord, if you've got it, that's what you want, that's what you want. I was praying the night before I was supposed to go. In fact, I was supposed to go back for like a three-hour test, and they were going to tell me how much insulin based on that test I was supposed to take. And so I was supposed to go to Dr. Clark, as a matter of fact, in Athens, Georgia was his name. And um, the night before, however, I began to pray, and I was praying about something else totally different. But God laid it on my heart, I don't want you to be a diabetic. I don't know why, but I just don't want you to have that. I said, okay, God, I'm praying that you'll heal me. I didn't, you know, I don't mean make a lot. Well, I can't, guess I kind of do. I didn't put my hand on TV, didn't put it inside the TV. You know, I didn't go through shock, anything like that. I just simply prayed. And the next, and I was fully confident when I got up from prayer. I said, you know, I don't have this anymore. I'm not even going to worry about it. Next day I went in for the test. And I took off three hours later. I came back and for the results. And I, put, I can remember like it was yesterday. I put my hand on the handle of the door, rounded handle. And the thought came to me, 
what if you're not healed? And, and the thought was not so much, well, God, you know, I don't want this in my life. The, the thought was, wow, I'm so sure that this is an answer to prayer. If it's not, then what does it feel like to have an answer to prayer? I mean, I was still fairly a young Christian. And so I put those thoughts out of my mind, walked through the door, and the, the nurse passed through that little, that little hole. You know what I'm saying, where they, they guard you from going back there, you know, and they have this thing where you sign in. And she passed through there, kind of looked that way, and she motioned for me to come back. So I did. She says, I don't know. I, I don't understand this. We double-checked your, your stuff from three days ago, three or four days ago, and, um, and you had diabetes then, and this was your number, and you don't have it now. And it was kind of middle of the road. It wasn't even borderline anymore. That was a miracle. You said, wow, I, I wish I could have a miracle like that in my life. I want to share with you. I want to share with you this, this evening, this afternoon, about a miracle that happened in the Bible. And that miracle is enough to give you the miracle that you need most of your life. In fact, I'm going to talk to you about two great miracles far greater than any physical healing. And it happens in Matthew chapter 1. And this was a story of the birth of Jesus Christ, one of them. And it's a story that's told by Matthew, not as extensive as the one that's in Luke that you heard quoted just a few moments ago. But in this, I want us to see the miracle of Christmas leads to an eternity of miracles for you. As a matter of fact, tonight before you leave this place, you can have a supernatural act happen to your life, a miraculous thing happen to your life that you had never thought possible. Let me see if I can back that up through the Scripture. First of all, I want us to see the miracle of his birth because that is the miracle that your miracle is based upon. It says in verse 18 of chapter 1, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, now betrothal had three different aspects to it. There was the arrangement of the marriage, there was the engagement, finally the ceremony. Everything had gone on except for the ceremony. They had not had that final ceremony. But she was betrothed to Joseph before they came, they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And so here we find that what they're teaching here is a virgin birth. No sexual relations before Jesus was born. And here we find that she was with child of the Holy Spirit, a miracle. It says her husband Joseph, <coughs> being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he's going to, he loved her. He didn't want to put her to shame. He was going to, and he didn't want to be in shame himself. So he's going to put her away quietly. But he's considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a miraculous thing. This is something that had to happen because everyone that is born of Adam, like Joseph was, is born into sin. The Bible says, for all of sin come short of the glory of God. The very first time that Adam and Eve sinned against God, they rebelled against God. They wanted to go their own way. And when that happened, they were cut off from God. And everyone born of Adam is in sin. As a matter of fact, um, Adam and Eve, I mean, the, the first time, the only woman they could ever say, my husband never even looks at another woman, you know? And uh, he could come back and say, honey, you are the one for me. You know, there's no question those things kind of uh, um, happened in their life. But here we find 
that they were, in, we inherit the sin nature from Adam and Eve. And so God is beyond us. God, we cannot get close to God. That's why in the Old Testament, the Bible says that Moses could not even look upon the face of God or he would die. That's why when someone touched the Ark of the Covenant where God lived back then in the nation of Israel, they touched it one time and they died immediately. No one, God was, was like a hurricane. He was like a pillar of fire. No one could go near him because we were no longer like him. We were separated from God. But here we find that the virgin birth needed to take place because now he's not part of Joseph. Now he's not of the seed of Joseph. He is the seed now of the Holy Spirit of God. What happened here? Notice it says in verse 21, she shall bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And this, uh, this took place to fulfill the Lord as spoken by the prophet. Behold, now he's quoting the Old Testament book of Isaiah here. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We've been in a series all month on the missing gifts of Christmas, and the very first one is the presence of God. God came to this earth. Jesus Christ came to this earth to be with us. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, writes the story of the princess and the peasant girl, or the prince and the peasant girl. And this prince fell in love with this peasant girl, as the story goes. And he wanted her as his wife, but he had some choices. He could just go into the village and just say, hey, you're following me. You're going to marry me. You have no choice. But he thought that would not be rewarding for him. That would not be fulfilling for him. And so he thought to himself, well, I could go into the village and really impress her. You know, take her out to dinner and take her to a chariot and things like that. And, uh, and he thought to himself, no, you know, I, I wouldn't know that she really loved me for me. And so he thought about it, and he left his throne, disguised himself as a, a, a person of the village, a peasant, as the, the story would call it, and lived among her people, was able to meet her and slowly get to know her, and she fell in love with him for who he was. This is what Jesus has done for us. Kierkegaard has told a story of the message of Christmas. God did not want us to make a—he he could come in a pillar of fire— Right now in this church, he could smack us upside the head, you might say, and the old saying goes. He could get really get our attention. But that would only cause us to think, well, I, I must follow God because he's so fearful. He's so awesome. He didn't want that. He wanted to come, and he didn't come as a pillar of fire. He did not come as a hurricane. He came as a baby. So you and I could get to know him in that way. He became one of us. Well, this miracle of his birth leads to the miracle of your birth, new birth. We've heard the songs all, in fact, the songs that were sung tonight, I think one of them was written by Tim uh, Johnson, tells the story of the gospel and what we need. And maybe you came here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, hey, you know, that's not really what I came for. I came with my family. You know, I, I wanted something, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go out to dinner afterwards. And you have all kinds of plans. And you never thought that you would have this kind of an opportunity. It's sort of unexpected. And all kinds of excuses maybe you're going through your mind. Hey, I'll, I'll hear about this later. I'll do something about it later. You know, now's not the right time. I'd have to give up something maybe in my life I don't want to give up. There's an addiction going on. And what, whatever it may be, there's all kinds of things going through your mind. But I want to share with you tonight that God offers you a supernatural miracle, and it's called salvation. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. The reason he came, verse 21, is to save his people from their sins. He didn't merely just come down and say, look, I want to show everybody how much I love them, but just by coming down and living for 33 and a half years. I'm not going to come down and just say, hey, I'm going to die on the cross. And wow, look how much I love you because I died on the cross for you. Look how much I loved you. I was resurrected on the third day. Look how much I loved you. I ascended up into heaven. There was a purpose behind all of that. And that purpose was to die for our sins. Our sins have cut us off from God. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I know that Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, hey, you know, look, I, I've, done a pretty, I've lived a pretty good life. Yeah, as compared to, to others. I, I've, I've kept the Ten Commandments. Well, well, let's take those just for a moment. Have you always put God first in your life? First commandment, put no other gods before me. Have you ever, always done that? I haven't. I broke the very first one, and I've broken it many times. I may break it before the week's out. Because you're always thinking about something so important that every time, I, maybe I don't get my way on that thing, I get a little, little mad with God a little bit just for a moment because something else is first place. What about having no other idols? How many times have, you, have we put something else, our children, our marriage, our job, as the most important thing in our life where we really have confidence and that thing really controls our life. It's not God controlling our life. It's something else on the throne of our life. How about keeping the Sabbath day? Do you know that Saturday? Have you always kept Saturday and kept it holy? What about lying? You know, somebody said, well, if you're married, you've lied before. You know, some, you know, your, your wife asked me, how do you like this, my hair, you know, or how do you like this dress? <clears throat> Man says, hey, do I, <clears throat> do, you, do, you, do you like it now that I'm weighing 50 pounds more than I did when I got married? And you say, oh, yes, honey, you just don't gain any more weight, you know? And we, uh, we talk like that. What about that? What about lust? You know, Jesus said, if you've lusted in your heart, you've already committed adultery, not with your body, but you've done it with your heart. If we were to be honest, what about coveting? Have you ever wanted something somebody else had? That's coveting. You see, we've broken all of the commandments. And because we've broken at least one, we're separated from God, and we need a supernatural miracle, and that supernatural miracle is salvation. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you be, are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? He's saying it's not just about following Christ. That, that's kind of the the typical thing that we're saying, that I'm a follower of Christ. And what we mean by that is, look, I just didn't pray a prayer one time, get baptized and leave the Christian life. I'm really following Christ. But we, we don't need to be in error with that by saying that because I'm in step with God all the way, and I'm, I'm trying to keep up with God, I'm trying to be in step with God, that it's all about me. I'm doing that. It, it's not about ritual. It's not about excusing ourselves in what we do in our life by going to church and say, well, God, you know, I give money and I do this at church. It's not about all those things. Salvation is a supernatural act of God that we cannot perform ourselves. 
And what happens is the very moment that you and I receive Christ into our heart, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, the same one that gave the birth and the seed to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, comes to live inside of us and our life and guide our life. And we are born from above. That's what born again means. We are born of God. We are born from above. It's a supernatural experience that God gives to us. It's the miracle of our life. Now, what does that mean? Real quickly as I close. It means that there's a miracle here of salvation that affects our past. Everything that, has, that I have ever committed, every sin that I ever committed, has been forgiven by God because I've received Christ into my life. If you are a Christian today, if you, if you are that person that has received Christ into their life, and because of that your life has been changed. The Bible says everything that you've ever done has been forgiven by God, no matter what it is. It's a gift. It's a gift of the past. And dear friend, please realize that sin affects us morally. It affects us spiritually. It, it even affects us physically. I remember hearing the story of Leonardo <coughs> da Vinci <coughs> excuse me, and the painting of the Last Supper. I don't know how many of you know this or not, but he actually used uh, models, different models for that. It took him years to paint uh, the painting, years. And uh, the first person he painted, one of the first people in that painting was Jesus. And um, he, he called on a guy by the name of Petro Bernalini. And he posed for weeks for that one po portrait. He wanted to get it right. He wanted to get the right person. And he picked out a person, of course, with some beauty about them and the look of, of kindness, sweetness about them. But the last person he painted was Judas, and he could not find the model that he wanted to, for the treachery that was involved and the, the horrible, horribleness and the meanness in the face. Finally, he found a guy in prison the guy modeled for him for weeks. At the end of it, as they put the chains back on his hands, he got down on his knees and he started crying. He says, Mr. Da Vinci, don't you recognize me at all? Been weeks. He says, no, sir, I, I really, really don't. He says, I am the same man that posed for the face of Jesus years ago. Sin will have a devastating effect but you and I can be forgiven. What a miracle to walk out of this building today knowing that you're forgiven of everything that you've ever done. And it's a miracle for today. It's not only for yesterday, it's for today. Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of our heart. And Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit or the results of the Spirit of God in our life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, self-control. Those kind of things in our life are the things that we need. The things that we're craving for, the miracle that just keeps happening to us every single day because of our life, because of our relationships, because of the things that we, we crave and we need in our life, and they're there. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And finally, it's a miracle for tomorrow. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And here's what 
John said in his, one of his epistles near the end of the New Testament. He says, and this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. John says, I write these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Say that word with me. Know. Say it again. Know. That you can know. You can know as sure as you're sitting here tonight that if you were to die tonight, you would be with Jesus forever in heaven. How do you know that? Because you have the Son. How do you know you have the Son? Because the Spirit of God has come to live inside your life as a deposit. The Bible says a deposit, a down payment of the things to come. It's a gift. It's a miracle. And your life can be supernaturally changed tonight. One of my favorite Christmas stories um, it's told by a pastor, Jess Moody, who was out in Los Angeles, California. He was at a big prayer breakfast. And the, and the lady that was the guest of honor was Rose Kennedy, uh, the mother of uh, former President John Kennedy. And he turned to her and he said, and he'd heard some things about her spiritual life a little bit. And he just said, well, uh, Miss Rose or Mrs. Kennedy, have, um, have you ever received Christ as your Lord? And she told her story. She said, years ago, my husband and I had um, a special needs child. And um, back then, it, it had different connotations to it. And he blamed me. <coughs> she said, my husband would not have anything to do with me. And because of that, I got into drinking. I became an alcoholic. I became a mean drunk, mean alcoholic. One time at Christmas, I was trying to get everything together, and my maid was, and I was talking, and I was trying to order her around, and I, I cursed her. I just cursed her. Cussed right to her face. Cussed her out. And tears was in her, her, her maid's eyes because she loved Miss Rose, and she said, she said this, Miss Rose, you'll never be happy until you make your heart a manger for Jesus to be born in. And she said, that spoke to me, and I knew the gospel. And at that moment, I received Christ and began to follow him. She had a, a crisis time in her life, a miracle time in her life. The need was there. God answered the need. When I was a diabetic, the need was there. God answered that need. But when I was 16 years old and I did not know Christ, I had that need. And God answered the greatest need, that I would know him and know him personally. What about you tonight? So, you know, you didn't come for all this. I know that. But there's an opportunity here. There's a surprising, maybe, opportunity for you to make a decision that a supernatural miracle would happen to your life. The lights would be turned on and an opportunity you will not want to pass up. What about you tonight? With heads bowed, eyes closed, if you have not received Christ, or if you would say, well, I've received Christ, but if I were to die tonight, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. So I really don't know that Christ lives within me. If that's the prayer of your heart, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. 
silently as I pray aloud. Would you do that? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. (coughs) Would you pray with me? Lord God, I do need a miracle. I do need your supernatural touch in my life. So I call upon your name. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. Help me to walk with you and make me the person that I need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.